What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in tonight to Eastern Current. This is episode what? What is it? 14. 14. Episode 14. We are stoked to be here tonight with y'all and talk a little bit about albacore fishing, some near shore oh, albacore yeah. fishing. It's uh, that time of year again, the early season albacore here. And uh, me and Billy got the opportunity to get out there and fish for them last week. We're going to talk to you about that a little bit. We're going to dive into how to catch them and everything. But yeah, we're just stoked to be here and uh, we're enjoying our smoothies from Smoothie King. Yeah, baby. I got a serious brain freeze right now. (laughs) (laughs) What do you you got over there? The banana boat? The banana boat. That's illegal to have a banana on a boat. What do you think? It is. It is. I don't know why I get it. It's just delicious. I have a peanut powered plus. So I don't know what that is. It's got peanut butter and chocolate in it. Triple P. So, So this is the chocolate one. I think they have a strawberry one as well. Super delicious smoothie. I think not that... If you looked at my physique, you could tell, but they actually don't sweeten this with uh, sugar anymore. I think it's sweetened with dates. So oh, for all nice. you health nerds out there, if there's any listening or watching, dates it is. Dates you know what else man. is sweetened by dates? A relationship. A kiss. That's what's sweetened by dates. <laughs> all right. That was a none terrible of, joke. None of the bad jokes. Let's see who's <laughs> jumping on here tonight. We got Roger Jones. What's up? We got Cameron Griffin. Griffin. I like Griffin, man. He is a fishy dude, always fishing, always on the water. Fishes from, uh, I think he does some offshore fishing, he was telling me, with his yeah. dad. And then also does a lot of fishing off of a paddleboard, which that would be a fun a fun episode to do. Like, yeah, a paddleboard episode. That'd be super yeah, fun. Yeah, live from a paddleboard. I uh, <laughs> bumped into him out in the ocean, albacore fishing this past week. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he was out there fishing. So he's out, who, who out, did he outfish you? Um, probably so. <laughs> Let's see who else. Yeah, if you guys are on the chat, let us know where you're watching from. So we got Griffin, Forrest Gray. Forrest Gray is always on here. What's up, What's man? What's up, Forrest? Me and Forrest Albacore fish this week. Yeah, dude, I too. saw the pictures. Him and Before his son, wind. right? Is that right? Yep. All right, we got Audrey, Sandy, Riley, Perry, and Forrest again. Said Judd had to restock his tackle. <laughs> I guess they broke you off a few times over there. I can't. Did I? I don't even remember. Maybe I guess we did. I think we lost. No, we lost very little. We lost very little tackle. Well, at least he didn't lose an eye like he did with me fishing last week. That's a glass <laughs> eye in his head right there. <laughs> so if you're tuning in, if you're watching live, thank you for joining us. Uh, let us know where you're watching from. And just a quick reminder to, so, and a lot of people don't know this, Judd, but our show, all these sponsors you see, we're co-promoting with these guys. So, um, you know, a lot of people go, I've heard a lot of people say, oh my God, I can't believe you guys are sponsored by such and such and such and such. And we have a great working relationship with all these companies and we love them um, and we support them and that's why they're on the show. But this is totally something we do for fun. It's totally our, our side project, if you will, um, that, that we enjoy doing. So the way you can support us and help support us is go to our online store, buy a hat, buy a t-shirt, sweatshirt, or whatever. Um, and, and we're going to try to stay on top of that stuff as much as possible once again this is kind of our side little side deal that we're doing so we'll try to try to get that but uh we print and ship all those on demand so anyway talking about sponsors let's go ahead and just name a few of them off here we got i strike fishing which you can save up to 40 percent on their website you just go on there and they got certain drop down tiers and deals i just hear that straw whistling into the mic (laughs) Um, yeah, Cito. Uh, go to Cito here in Wrightsville Beach. Mention that you saw Cito uh, ad or you heard about them from Eastern Current. I think they're going to hook you up with twenty five bucks off your um, off your uh, membership, either current or renewal. We got Afco and, and Marshware. Man, just great products. I know you sport their stuff all the time, Judson. So does a really good job. Keeps the sun. Still off wearing those same Marshware shorts from last week. Haven't washed them. Haven't taken them off once. Hey, when you're catching them, you just can't take off the I'm lucky just shorts. I have. 
I have. I we have. got Eastern Angling, Judd Brock Fishing over there. Check him out on YouTube. Uh, go follow his YouTube channel, Judd Brock Fishing. Also follow him on Instagram. And then, more importantly, go book a trip with him. We're talking about some albacore. I took a trip with him last week. Super fun. We're going to be talking about that a little bit. You still bit. owe me for that trip, too, Billy. You I haven't still, paid me. I know, man. I haven't paid you. That's what, you, that's what I do. <laughs> I just, I'm just stiff kidding. people like, hey, you care to take me fishing? And then they don't tell me the price, and then I never pay. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Uh, then we got Smoothie King. We already shared those smoothies. Great smoothies. There's one um, on 17th Street. I think there's one. There's I know there's one on College Road, and there's one right up the road from your house here. I won't tell people where we're at, but <laughs> it's right off of Market Street. So go check that out. And then my company, Thorpe Creative, we make hats, T-shirts, sweatshirts, all the stuff you can put a logo on, just not fishing lures. Actually, I probably could order some from China for you. So just give me a call. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's about it. That's it for our sponsors. And then, Judd, as far as our Catch of the Week, we're not going to do Catch of the Week, but we are going to give away this AFCO shirt right here. Yes, we so are. we bring this thing up. So this is going to be a participation giveaway. <laughs> not a participation trophy. Not everyone gets one. But you have a chance to win if you like, comment, share. Actually, just comment because that's what I'm going to randomly choose from at the end of the show. Pretty sick shirt, man. Look at that thing. That is a cool shirt. Pretty cool short It is a large shirt. It's a so large. if you are fat, then just don't comment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was uh, uncalled for. I'm I sorry, I guess I'm guys. not commenting because uh, large is not the size for I know. Me. I wear an extra large as well. So Yeah, I'm, I wear an extra large as well. So anyway, we're going to be giving that away at the end of the show. So stick around for that. Uh, I think I got through all of our sponsors. So we're gonna shout out to those guys. Thank you. Support those businesses. So Judd, what's the fishing out like out there, man? What's happening? It's been really windy the past couple of days. Um, fall fishing is definitely here. We've got a uh, big red fish showing up. The albacore here. The, the near shore fishing is great with the mullet run going on. Um, the inshore fishing has been real good too, but we still, we're still dealing with a little bit of dirty, dirty water in the Cape Fear river from that, from all the rain we've had from the hurricane and a little bit of rain we've had since then. And then we've also got a little bit of dirty water up here, up North, um, around Wrightsville beach, Wilmington, but it's been good. We just need this wind to lay out. I think this North wind and East wind we've had lately is definitely going to help out once it's not, once it's passed, um, you know, kind of kicking that fall, the fall patterns off, but it's been a pretty annoying with uh, 25 mile an hour winds for about three days straight now. So is that pushing up here from that hurricane that's offshore? No, I it's. Think? A, I think it's another system that's pushing against the hurricane. I think it might actually be what's helping keep that hurricane oh, away from us. Away from us, yeah. Oh, that's good, man. It seems like we have a hurricane like every 45 minutes or so, <laughs> just one pop up there in the tropics. Yeah. So, uh, but if you want to cool, uh, check out a cool person on speaking of Facebook Live and doing Facebook Lives, uh, that guy Mike over at SpaghettiModels.com. Not that he needs anyone out. He has like 60,000 people tuning in live to his thing, but really cool. He shows like all the models. He's not like a, a like a official meteorologist or whatever, but um, that's what my wife and I watch. I don't. That's what we keep up with. Less, less uh, drama than the Weather Channel. So we like that. That's cool. I didn't even know about him. I'll have to check. Yeah, him man, out. He, it's cool. He's he's entertaining. He drinks beer. When he said spaghetti models, I was like, what are you talking about? For yeah, a I guess it's just all those little spaghetti models that you I know, thought you were talking has. about people who model spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> All that's right. truly what I thought at first. <laughs> then I forgot that's what the hurricane models were called. I'm going to let you continue to self-deprivate over the spaghetti <laughs> models. Uh, oh, man. Hey, we got my buddy Elu from Belize watching. If you haven't fished in Belize, which I haven't. You're blowing it. But, man, I, have you been? Have you fished on <laughs> no, there? No, no, no. Oh, dude. I, I see people all the time I want on to. YouTube. Peacock bass. Are, are there Arapaima in Belize? I have no idea. Arapaima? I think there Every are. time I go there, I've been there a few times. You've been to Belize? Yeah, I've been and to you Belize. you haven't fished? I haven't fished there, believe it or not. Oh, we went on a mission trip uh, several times down oh, there. Oh, sweet. And so it was awesome. Uh, didn't get to spend some time on one of the islands. 
beautiful water, man. You can just see right down to the bottom. It's, it's one of the most beautiful places on the planet. But in saying all that, like right when you get out of the plane into Belize, there's like 20 people holding fly rods in their hands. That's so awesome. I'm always like hitting those guys up. Like, hey, what are you? You're saying for? Belize? For some reason in my head, I was thinking you're saying Brazil. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm behind it tonight. Hey, Brazil, Belize, Belize is spaghetti, spaghetti, whatever you want to yeah, call it. Belize, that makes sense for sure. So, I, I don't know why I was thinking Brazil. So beautiful place down there. And I don't know if my friend Eliu is still doing this or not. But the last time I was there, he was actually uh, putting together like vacation trips for people that were coming you know, from different countries or from the United States or whoever wanted to go on vacation there. So he's on the chat. So if you are looking to do a trip down there, um, if he's not still doing that, he may, you know, be able to put you in the right connection with somebody. So there's your connection to Belize. If you, if you want to put that trip together, Belize uh, us, you can Belize do it. Belize me. It's super fun uh, to go down there and hang out. So, okay, let's see who else is on here. We got Kevin Colley. We saw Kevin on the water the other day. That was pretty fun. He, you remember that, Chad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was get, awesome. I'm, I'm going to get you up to speed here. <laughs> That's, I didn't realize I was so out of it tonight until we went live. That's uh, Southern Blend Fishing, right? Yeah, Southern Blend. He was out there throwing a fly rod. trying Super to, nice trying to get guy. Fly rod. Oh, yeah, super great guy. We've chatted a few times there uh, as well on Instagram. By the way, if you haven't followed us on Instagram, go over there and follow us. Uh, we'll chat with you on there. And like we um, said last time, too, what really helps us on our podcast is if y'all head over to iTunes and... Give us hopefully a five star rating and and yeah. leave a comment there. That's just that nothing is helping us more in the podcast world than those ratings. That's it. Unless you get a million dollar check. Yep, million dollar that, check. That'll help sweet. the podcast. So a million dollars or a review. You, you make your decision. You make a decision. <laughs> so John, let's get into talking about chasing Albacore, man. We went on a trip last week. We did. Appreciate it. Thank you for taking. Thank me out you there. for coming. Yeah, man, it was awesome. And so, I guess if I had to to sum up what an Albacore trip is to me, it is. Literally like sitting on a horse, I guess on the front of a horse at this point, and like running the gun and after some wild bulls or like wild, what, what are those in the rodeo? I watched a rodeo this past weekend. What, are they, what is that called when they lasso? Oh, like, like uh, calves. Cow? Yeah. yeah, calves or pigs mm -hmm. or something like that, man. It's like, that's kind of the feeling because, you know, for me, I was on the bow of the boat and you're chasing, chasing them down. And uh, so we had a super fun trip. We did a little fly fishing in the beginning with no, I had no luck anyway. You did pretty good though. It was, uh, yeah, it was, that was a crazy trip. So I had an afternoon trip. I had the morning open and me and Billy really wanted to go fish together. And, um, so we hopped on the boat. What time did we get started? I think around nine o'clock, probably yeah, like nine 30 or 10, nine 30 or 10. Yeah. And, uh, we, we headed out, we, we head out, we went out Wrightsville beach, Mason bro. And left. yeah, he was just waking into the no wake zone there. Yeah. I went flying through the no wake zone. <laughs> But yeah, we ran out Masonboro and, and slid out there and it was super calm. And and so it was a little tough at first. Those albacore are tough when it's calm, but we, we were running around and, and ended up having a really great day. I, Billy, I, I want to hear Billy's perspective of the day oh, though, because I do a lot of albacore fishing and, and Billy's done it quite a good bit before too, but, but, uh, we, Billy was wanting to get one on the fly rod. We focused on that for a while and well, you take it away, Billy. Yeah, how, how was the so, day for you? I'll say a good bit as in. Um, I, I'll say good bit is in, I went three times before I went with you. So I went a couple times with a friend, went on a guided trip once. Um, and man, it was, it was cool. So the interesting part is, you know, I'm used, I was used to the whole running gun, like, you know, find the blow up and we'll talk about all those details of how to do that and, and what to look for and where to find these fish. Uh, cause you know, you're out in the middle of the ocean. So it seems like how in the world can you ever find a school of fish? But anyway, so running gun and cast, you know, cast to them. 
and then you know reel in pretty quickly and hook up so i was used to that part but the fly fishing aspect of it was a whole different challenge and i'll tell anybody that's watching or listening if you're from the mountains and i don't care i've you know i've fly fished in the mountains several 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 times hundreds of times by now and I'm a pretty decent casting. I can cast pretty good, but dude, it was like nothing I've ever been a part of before because not only are you, the wind is blowing, you kind of got some line left out uh, of your rod. So you got line left out of the tip of your rod. <laughs> you got line left on the boat. You're gassing it. I don't know how fast you're going, but you're you're cruising. So all this wind is creating all these like knots and everything else. And I was terrible at line management. And then you get up there and you're so nervous because, you know, I don't know. How, how long do we have, Judson? Like, it, it felt like I think we, we had, had like, six hours of fishing. Yeah. So, four but, four, four yeah. to six hours, somewhere in there. But when you pull up on those fish, oh, I mean, on the it fish. feels like you have like 30 seconds to like present. Yeah, it, it, right? it can be pretty quick. I mean, sometimes they'll stay up for a while. But, but that trip in particular, I'd say 30 Man. seconds was probably our best. So, dude, I was wrapped up scenario. in it. I caught everything. I caught the trolling motor. I caught my own butt of my flat rod. <laughs> caught his own butt of his butt. I caught, Yeah, I probably caught my own butt a couple times. Man, I was just like all over the place. I was nervous. And then so finally I got used to the to the fast run and gun stop, you know, do a few false casts and then launch it into the middle of these, into this blow up. Yeah. But then the retrieve is what I believe what got me for the day, man. It was just the... I was trying to tuck tuck my tuck my rod in and do the double quick retrieve as fast as possible and it really just did not for me pan out too well. And I think I was I got a couple bites but you know it, it, it was like I got to practice man. So if anybody has like a an Olympic size swimming pool and you want to invite me over to practice <laughs> in your swimming pool that'd be perfect. I'll come make that happen. It's tough man that that the two hand strip I think is important just because it helps you get that fly moving quickly. And when you're running up to these fish, the bait, the fly, the bait, the lure, whatever moving quickly is important. But I think it's just more important that it, it gets moving quickly, yeah. which means once you get it in there, it needs to be moving. And so with a fly rod, you throw it in there, that boat's coming, you know, slowing down as you're approaching the school of fish. And so get it. It's hard to get that fly stripping because you're moving towards the fly and you're trying to, you know, get up that slack as well as uh, as get that fly moving. So a lot of times it's yeah. you're stripping just enough to keep the slack out of the line, but the fly just sits in the same spot the whole time, and the fish won't eat it. Sometimes they will if it's like complete massacre, um, school or schools of fish blowing up like crazy. But a lot of times it's crazy. I mean, it looks like they never know what was going on in there. There's so much white water, but those fish really still can see so well and see those baits so well. So yeah, man, it I think was, that was the struggle crazy. for both of us that day with the fly was getting it moving quickly because we had to run up to them so quick. They were staying up such a short amount of time. Yeah. And like getting it in there and then like you're saying, stripping it and getting it, getting it stripped in quick, which I've never done that. You know, like I, I was yeah. telling you, like in those mountain streams, you're just <laughs> I mean, you're on vacation. You're like, Oh, I'm just going to throw it out of here and let it float and strip it a few <laughs> times. And in this, you're like, Oh, wait a second. It's I gotta, like death metal fly fishing. I got to shoot. I got to shoot this thing right into the, to the pack here. And then I gotta try to outrun, and, you know, these fish, man, these, these things take off. I was doing a little research just cause I was curious, like how fast do these things move? And their initial runs can be 40 miles an hour. That's insane. Yeah. If you've got that textured fly line, it'll burn your fingers up. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, I, I did not hook up one, uh, hook up to one on the fly. However, Judson did. I won't tell you how his first one got hooked up. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually pretty all. You should share that. Yeah. That good. What were you doing? So I guess when we're on the run, you're just kind of letting the line lay out behind you. Um, well, I think I wasn't casting on a school. We ran up, you casted. And I just had a fly dangling behind the boat, you know, we're drifting. And then it, my rod about gets, I had it, my line clamped pretty hard. 
Oh, and sometimes yeah. when I'm just dragging it, I'll wrap the line around the reel once, like around the, the base of the reel once. Oh, yeah. So that you. it doesn't get pulled out if I'm not paying attention. And it was like that. And a fish ate it while we were idling and, and about pulled my rod into the water. <laughs> Burn up your hand pretty good. Yeah, too, I, mean. I still have a little. I mean, it's it, it cut in pretty good. I was a little bit of, little bit of blood. But, um, yeah, I'm not ashamed. I called it albacore trolling a fly. So <laughs> which, which I, you know, I watched some guys on YouTube from up north and that's like a thing. That's, like a, that's a thing. But you know what? I guess if it wasn't going to be my first one, which we talked about this on the boat, you're right. like, I'm not going to let your first albacore on a fly be from trolling. I'm just not going to do it. Right. I'm going to make you work for it. So I'm going to practice and get that double retrieve down. Or, We're going to get back out there. Or figure it out or put some kind of electric motor on my, on my line and let it retrieve oh. fast enough. I don't know what's going to happen. but um, So anyway, yeah, that was pretty fun. And then we broke out the spin reels and kind of went back and forth between the two and, and hooked up on some. So Yeah, we caught a bunch on, um, on the spinning rod. Yeah, it was pretty good. Forrest says, yeah, Judd can run a boat. He can hammer down while holding the rod and get you right in them. I agree. I agree, Forrest. That's a, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> Uh, just running gun and gas and, and, and fish and everything all at the same time. It's pretty good. Well, let's tell the last little funny part of this story and then we'll kind of, we'll jump into the meat of this and, and start talking about the <laughs> breakdown of, of everything and, and how to approach these fish. But I'll let Billy take this away as well. Okay. So, so okay. So we're both on, I think we're both spin fishing, right? Am I right? So we yes. got them hooked up on yep. And what, what jigs were we using? So we're using a uh, hoagie's got what's called an epoxy jig. I wish we had one here. I know I meant to go grab some out of my boat, but I left all my stuff, all my tackle in my big boat, um, which is not at the house. And so, oh, gotcha. Um, no big deal. And when I, it's not a, it's not a big boat. It's just my larger boat. So our whole goal, I mean, not our whole goal of the trip, but one of our big goals of the trip was to um, like get doubles, like, but you know, so we could take a picture for this episode. <laughs> so that, I mean, that was like one of our objectives, like, Hey, we both, we need to catch a double so we can both hold the fish, take a picture. Cause we knew we were going to be doing this episode. Right. And so we got the doubles. We were both in, I got my fish to the boat already and I'm a little girl. So I'm waiting for Judson to pop it off of there. And then, um, uh, and then I was, um, I was holding, I was holding my fish up, like getting it. I think I actually had it on the boat. And then I look over and Justin's got his phone, which my phone's a part of the, of the shoot right now. So I can't show you, but he's got his phone and he's recording, just capturing some video. And then all of a sudden it's like slow motion. I just see this phone just like toggle out of his <laughs> hand into the water. So dude, I'm holding I'm holding my, you know, this fish and I'm looking down in the water. And I how, how deep were we out there? I mean, we, we were in like 40 feet of water. Yeah. So we're 40 feet. I'm like, dude, I don't even go past like knee deep when I'm at the beach. So I like literally say out of my mouth, like, I don't know, man, I'm not going after it. And before I can even finish the statement, Judd ditches hats, ditches glass, or ditches hat, <laughs> his glasses, his flip flops. And I'm telling you, here's a good I think I just dove out of my flip-flops. Dude, yeah, you probably dove out. But here's the thing. He didn't dive head first. So if I was going after this, I would have been like, oh, I'm going to get head first so my hands will oh, be yeah, there. Oh, yeah, I didn't dive head But first. you did the Navy SEAL dive where you cross your legs, you jump in like straight down like torpedo, and then came up underneath his phone, which I thought was a pretty genius idea. <laughs> And it, you could tell, I mean, I don't want to call you out too hard, but you can tell that that had been practiced a few times. I, it's not the first time that I've dropped my phone off and had to dive in and retrieve it. And it's always been while fishing. Oh, man. Yeah. So, But anyway. I got it back. I got the phone back. I, it worked for about two hours. I was like, no way. This thing, it's going to keep working. And and then, uh, then it started to mess up and it's been... Messed up. I got an insurance phone, and the insurance phone, unfortunately, is was messed up. The speaker's not working on it, so I haven't been able to talk on the phone, on my phone, for 
about four or five days yeah, now. Yeah, four or five days. And so, so I, I apologize if, if I haven't been able to, if you tried to call and it hasn't worked, but. I didn't even know we were still doing the show. It showed up with a smoothie. I'm like, are we still doing I was like, yeah, I guess we can do it. All right, here we go. We're going to talk about it. So anyway, guys, that was our trip kind of summed up. Um, and to, to get into talking about how do you even have an, such an epic trip as we did. Uh, oh, and I caught a bird at the end of the trip. That you was, did catch a bird. That was one of my, I didn't know that that was like kind of a normal thing to happen. I mean, maybe not normal, but it happens. Birds get caught a lot, but the, to eat those epoxy jigs that are a little bit under the surface, it was, it's yeah. kind of rare. It's rare. I, told I was my, proud of you. I told my wife that story. She was like, what happened to the bird? She was like so concerned. I'm like, well, we drug it in and cut its head off and ate it. <laughs> no, I, did, I didn't tell her that. I just told her what well, we did. We just unhooked its wing and let it fly. It so yeah, good. I actually caught a bird. Uh, that was that was pretty epic. Never done that before. So, um, so dude, let's get into talking about what do you first of all. So you're going out of the inlet, and I kind of know some of this because I ask you a lot of questions on the way out. But I'm gonna guess it matters. You turn left or right, it doesn't matter. <laughs> what are you looking for? It, going out the inlet, it's. It doesn't, yeah, like you're saying, it doesn't really matter. I mean, day to day it matters, but I couldn't say, you know, you need to go. I'm just basing it off of the last time I was out there, where did I find fish? And I head there first and I work from there. So one of the big mistakes people make, and I used to as well, is thinking, oh, you know, albacore, they're like Spanish. We need to get out there early in the morning and look for them busting on the surface. If we want to find a busting on the surface, it's going to be early in the morning, which they'll bust on the surface early in the morning, but they are so hard to catch. Um, when that light's low, because what happens is when that sun gets up, the bait, the small bait fish that they eat gets silhouetted by the sun. It's much easier for them to find it. So when I've got an albacore trip, if I've got one trip a day, I'm not starting until probably nine o'clock, maybe nine 30. I'd say even on a, a, a perfect day, weather wise of albacore fishing is like eight to 12, not winds, maybe just maybe eight to 10, not winds and bright sun. And I'm starting at nine 30. I'm picking up at 9:30, and or I'm leaving my dock at 9:30 because that sun gets up, and it, that's when it really gets going good is 9:45, 10 o'clock. Um, and not to say you can't catch them and you can't catch them good in the morning, but it, it's it for me. It always seems to get better when that sun's up. Um, and is that because they can see? You think it's because the fish can see a little better? Yeah. This, so the the bait they're eating is up on the surface. Oh, gotcha. And when the sun's up high, it's more silhouetted. So they can just see that bait so much better and, see and key the dark on it. Spot yeah. and, go and they'll stay up longer because, you know, they, they once they start slashing through it in the morning, the light's low and it spreads out a little bit, then they can't find it. But when the when the sun's high, they can see every single little bait as it's spreading out and they'll keep eating. So Gotcha. And I guess um, and, and one thing that you were telling me when we were going out there, you're like, hey, keep, keep your head on a swivel and start looking for birds. Yeah. So I guess birds are... Birds are key for sure. And, and they won't always be on, on albacore, you know? or there might be albacore busting that don't have birds on it. That happens a lot. But typically, if fish are staying up well, if they're up on the surface well, the birds are going to find them pretty quickly and, and, and key on it um, as well. So so those birds following the albacore, or they fall on the bait? Um, or the, who knows? If, if they can see the bait themselves and it's up on the surface, they'll just eat the bait. But they're usually following the albacore because the albacore will slash through that bait and there'll be little scraps and whatnot. And they kind of push, I guess they push that bait. They to push the it surface, up to the surface. Right? And, yeah. and I think a lot of it too is the scraps, the little uh, sliced up gotcha. pieces of, of bait that the albacore leave oh, behind gotcha. the, the birds are scooping that up. So if you want to catch a bird, just do slices. Don't do yeah, the whole thing. Don't do the whole thing. <laughs> Let it line a little slice. If you, if you throw the whole thing, they're going to leave it for the albacore. Somebody asked me if that was a citation seagull. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. 16 pound, uh, uh, turn. <laughs> 16 pound 16 pound seagull here we go <laughs> so so man so that's how you look for them so you're going after yeah. them that way the other um, important part about looking for them though too yeah, is is the depth and, and water temperature as well so we get these slightly cooler water temperatures 
in in the fall and and key in on if you go out on a Monday and you find them in 50 feet of water, remember that kind of run to 50 feet of water and zigzag around and see where they are. Cause a lot of times they're going to stay in those same depths. This from here on out, they should be closer to the beach for the most part. Um, I've only, I think I only had five trips so far this year that we've actually albacore fish and started out finding them at like eight miles. Um, and then mm. each day they were gradually closer into the beach. So, so is that a year round fishery here? You could catch albacore out of North Carolina all year, but maybe not schooled up and busting, but people catch them trolling all summer further out in the ocean and Gulf Stream and stuff like that. But as as far as schools up and busting on the surface, you know, near shore fishing, it's a fall thing. Of course, I guess if I'm going out to the Gulf Stream, I'm not catching false albacore. Right. At false (laughs) albacore, you hook one in the Gulf Stream, you're pissed. I I, I hook one, I chop it up, I put it back out there and try to get something else with it. Exactly. Cool, man. Yeah, so that's good. So just in case anybody's joining us, don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about false albacore fishing. So false albacore, what, what else do people call them? Falsies, albies, albies, little toonies. Little tuna, yeah, little or toonies. Or little toonie. Uh, fat um, Albert. I saw that one as I was doing Albert, a little research. Yeah. Little fat Albert. Yeah. I wish you would have called me and said, hey, you want to go catch Fat Albert? I'd be like, <laughs> sure. This a little cartoon. And then Spotted Bonita. I want to show the difference because this is a conversation that gets brought up a lot. Yeah. People go, can you eat these? Can you eat false albacore? You can eat, you can anything. eat anything. You can yeah. eat anything, right? <laughs> so, uh, but I just wanted to bring up the difference, and I might get in trouble for this if this is copyright Im- copywritten image. But anyway, so here's the difference, a little bit of difference as far as the look. Is the false albacore uh, has a little squiggly, little squiggly lines? Yeah, really. it looks like uh, what a, a piece of wood looks like. I think if a, when you know when the worm gets into the wood is what a false albacore looks like. Oh, that's a good. And yeah, the bonita have good. the vertical lines. That's the big giveaway. But the other main giveaway is teeth. Oh, the yeah. bonita have teeth. I don't know if you guys can see that on that image, but there's definitely some teeth in this uh, illustration. Or bony toe, whatever you want to call them. But <laughs> bony toe. That's really a term. No, that's. Bon- but that's just how. If I just saw that word, I think that's how I'd read it. Bony toe. Oh, oh, bony. Oh, I see. I got you. I see what you're saying. Um, so yeah, there's a difference and you can actually catch these at, I mean, in the same schools. I mean, they'll run together sometimes. Yeah. You can catch them in the same school. It doesn't happen much here in the fall. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but in the spring with the Benita, when the Benita are here in the spring, I, I see that happen a little bit more. Um, but yeah, the, the Benita too, they're a little more mackerel shaped. They're a little bit thinner or a little bit narrower, not as tall in the body. And, uh, but, but the teeth is the main giveaway. Just look for, if they've got. Decent teeth. They're, oh, gotcha. they're Benito. And I guess it was Benito or Benita or however people pronounce Bonitata. it. Bonitata. <laughs> Bonitata. Uh, I guess those are pretty good eating from what I understand. Yeah, they're really good. From, I've they're never really had. Good. I don't, well, actually, you talk you know, to someone I that has I the privilege of one. eating like yellowfin and blackfin a lot. They're like, oh, dude, I never eat a Benita. But I, they're really good fish. What, if somebody you, with a John boat lives at the beach? Oh, oh going to yeah. eat the mess out of home. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. So I love them. I think they're great. And I, I like them just barely seared with those center still raw and, and these guys man you can catch them anywhere i was doing a little once again just doing a little research about the fish just because i was super interested yeah. how they fleed me so effortlessly <laughs> on the fly rod that i'm now going to be challenged to bring one in uh but they're pretty common all the way from brazil which you mentioned earlier to i mean even up to maine and, and new Do you england mean states. I'm yeah just, <laughs> Do you mean um so pretty much you can catch them anywhere someone said 
hold on, let's see here. Someone just asked something. Why are they so close to the beach in Florida all year long? Probably the same reason everything's close to the beach in the Florida. The bait's there. <laughs> There's bait. Florida's out in the Gulf Stream. Or, well, I mean, I guess Gulf Stream moves, but it's yeah. like, I feel like everybody in Florida just goes out in their front yard and like, yeah, look here, Kalamahi. Exactly. You that know? that that uh, deep water break is much closer to the actual coast there. So, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're a lot closer. And, and here as well, I talk to guys that spend a lot more time in the ocean than I do. You've got a chance of running into Albacore all summer. I mean, you could definitely bump oh, into you. a school right off the beach all summer. And um, we also get little bullet mackerel, little skipjacks, which look like a bonita, but they're tiny. They're like five or six, not five or six. They're probably like 12 to 13 inches long. Oh, gotcha. Um, and th- they're pretty similar, but, but yeah, I, I mean, you could, you could catch one a mile off the beach all summer, but there's just really not many around. So, so man, how we did it and, and when we were on our trip and, and you were obviously driving the boat, I, I offered, but you wouldn't let me drive. So I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Yeah, yeah, you did not offer, and I would have totally let you drive that. <laughs> From kayak to your really expensive boat, I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> we'll just leave it right we there. We need to get That's you a motor on your kayak versus a little training, a little oh, training man. wheels. little training wheels on there. So, dude, so we're, we're jetting up to these things, and so tell me about the approach, because, you know, obviously I wasn't driving the boat. I was just enjoying the front seat. Tell me about what your strategy was putting me on those fish, and, and like, because we were going pretty quickly. And then we would kind of slow up and and take shots at them that way. For sure. So it, it, you're going to kind of learn what you need to do that day when you're out there. Um, if the fish are staying up for a long time, you don't have to be as aggressive as far as getting over there. But me and Billy that day, we were having to blast over to the fish. If we if our fish were done and we saw another school pop up, we were running there about as quickly as we could. And, and then um, sometimes you can run right up on the school, pull it off, leave the motor running and cast in there, you know, get three or four shots with them still up on the surface. Um, and those are the days that, that you want where they're not as spooky, but they were real spooky in the morning for yeah, us. And were. so we were having to try to get into the zone quickly, set up with the, with the current that was there, kill the motor and just kind of drift into them, but all happening pretty quickly. Because if we were, if we rode into casting distance real quickly, that they were spooking every time, even if we idled, if we ran, I mean, if that motor was on, they were spooking. Um, and so just the stealthiness is important. I'm always thinking about the wind. I'm always thinking about the wake that my, my boat's pushing. There's different factors, just like when you're sight fishing inshore, but, but, um, the, usually the calmer it is, the, the more stealthy you have to be, but if you've got some nice wind chop and you've got, then they're eating larger baits. I'm, I'm dropping so much right now, but um, they're eating larger baits, but mostly the wind shop, you'll be able to, you'll be able to get in there a little bit closer, a little quicker and not, not have to worry quite as much. Yeah. It's like the wind provides like that little bit of coverage or that little bit of, yeah, it breaks everything up a little up, more. Yeah. So, cause I noticed when we were started early in the morning or earlier in the morning, like nine thirty, ten, 10, yeah. whatever, um, you know, we weren't doing as well. And then when that wind picked up and you actually said that he's like, man, if this wind can just pick up just a little bit, we'll start, we'll start nailing them. And so. I mean, basically verbatim, that's what happened. Uh, so, man, and, and one thing that you coached me on is when you we run up to them, you kill the motor, you kind of drifted into them, um, which, you know, there's all, all kinds of stuff. You could probably do a whole show on, like, how to maneuver your boat and get on the left side and right side because you had me forecast and then you tell me backcast and all this stuff. So I was like, I don't – you can get into that if you want to. But um, basically the presentation that you told me was, hey, cast over this school – through the middle and drag through them 
And so, I mean, I guess that's pretty standard. Is that how you yeah. feel like the best way to, to present if I'm casting to them? Yeah, that's definitely the best way. I'm When I'm rolling up to them, if I've got the ability, I'm not casting like as soon as they're in, in reach. Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm looking at that school, waiting until they're in, in, in casting range, but looking for the most dense area of fish blowing up on the surface. Yeah, that's um, good. And, and trying to cast right to that as soon as they're blowing up. I don't want to cast to where they were just blowing up. I want to look and, and be getting something, getting that bait in there while they're still blowing up. In an, in an area in the most concentrated area. And so when I say cast over them too, very important to cast over them and not just cast into the middle, because when you throw over, you've got more time of that bait being in the strike zone. Um, the other thing too, is you don't want to cast too far over them because they do move so quickly. I'm literally trying to land it, you know, a foot, two feet, three feet on the far side of where those fish are blowing up. I want to have it in that bite zone while they're feeding as quickly as I can. Mm, yeah. So that that's kind of how that works and and same thing with a fly you know it's it's all about just getting it into that area of concentrated feeding as quickly as you can yeah i think that was one thing that you know i was missing some fish and then you're like hey hold on a second like slow down and maybe these fish like when we were out there like you said they're a little spooky so they're you know not they're not on top as much but you know take your take your iphone out or take your smartphone out set a timer for 30 45 seconds and that's a pretty long time. I mean, if you if you really think about it, um, to kind of wait for the water, to wait for the fish, see what they're doing. And once I started doing that, I started hooking up a lot more because, um, you know, I was I was at first just casting as quickly as where those like Judson saying like the blow up was like pretty much over, and I was trying to cast there, and then I'd be retrieving, you know, a semi quick retrieve and then they blow up like right inside the boat and i'm like what the freak and i'm like trying, right. to, trying to throw my you know trying to get my lure out of the water or my fly out of the water and represent on you know on the other side so i think that's really good advice is when you're on those fish if they're not super active just like wait for a second and then also man watch those birds because those birds will i mean basically we were watching those birds the whole time and then we watch them go to the left or to the right and then you're like okay hold on they're gonna blow up again they blow up and then we hook into a couple of them so yeah i think patience you could almost do a whole show just on like reading the birds i feel like probably so because there's a lot to that and and allowing yourself to read what the birds are doing to go ahead and be setting the boat up for where you think that next shot's going to be. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool, man. And it seems like you're just running the gun in high energy, whatever. But and I'm pretty high energy. Well, not I'm not probably not to some people, but to to some people I'm really high energy. And so like especially on the boat when I was trying to present that fly, dude, I was all over the place. And then when I calmed down and and really you know thought about two three steps of it and kind of really prepared even when i was spin fishing like it was a little bit better and throwing those jigs and getting them in the right place at the right time and well you'll and then switching up your retrieve and everything so we just didn't have a good day we didn't have good albacore to fly fish for that day they were really tough albacore we, still, to catch. we still crushed them though we caught a bunch of fish crazy. but the, they were up and down so quick so yeah. having that jig to where you could fire it from a much further distance was very important um but yeah so i think the next thing to kind of talk about is all right we know where the fish are you know we're, we're coming up to these schools. We know how to approach them now. And we've thrown the cast. What is the retrieve like, whether it's on fly yeah, that's or, good. or uh, on a jig? So what I told Billy, and, and this is this is just what I found from the years of fishing these fish, and I'm not saying it's the exact right thing. And everyone says, reel as fast as you can. I'm all about speed is important. A lot of times, especially early season, these fish are eating little small baits. 
And so if you real slow and they see that jig, well, they're not going to eat it because it doesn't look like what they're eating, but you're trying to get that reaction bite, that quick bite. Um, and, and I, I like people to reel fast, but I tell people when you make that cast, keep your rod tip right on the surface of the water and reel as fast as you can without your jig skipping on the surface. And I told yeah. Billy this, I was like, they'll eat it skipping across the surface really well, but they miss it way more. Oh, dude, when it's I, I skipping. was skipping so hard. It was crazy. Yeah. They'll just you, skip, especially when it's choppy, it'll skip across those waves. And he was like, dude, you gotta slow down, slow down, slow down. Yeah. And then I finally started hooking up when I like <laughs> chill out. But you know, the action man is so fast. Like you're, you're jetting across through there. <laughs> you're, you're the boat sliding in your throat. And it's just like, but you just take a deep breath and, and chill out and you'll hook up on way more fish. And that's what we did, did there. So dude, as far as retrieve, and I, I agree with you, like when I slowed down to like a medium fast retrieve, actually a couple times you're like, dude, put your tip in the water. I just put the tip of your rod in the water yeah, because uh, I was reeling too fast. Um, and I started hooking up on fish. So practice that retrieve and you know, and that's what I did is medium fast retrieve and start hooking up way, way more. But also in talking about that, man, we switched out a couple lures and as far as size goes and did quite a bit different on two sizes yeah i don't uh, know if you want to talk about that quite no yet, no that's... well yeah let's let's jump into the whole tackle flies everything okay, we'll that do that a, as yeah. a whole segment gotcha um but yeah the lure is so important and the speed is important and and if you don't have the right size lure if you're too big fast is good because you're just getting that reaction strike as opposed to the fish and you you think that they're not really keen in on it but especially fly fishing for them like there's days where you'll be throwing a clouser minnow, which is a larger bait fish style pattern and not getting any bites. And then I'll switch to like a little small, tiny fly, like five or six pieces of deer hair with like a little bit of an epoxy head. I mean, you can barely see it. You put it on your fingernail, it's on a tiny little hook and you can barely see it and they'll eat the mess out of that. So they, they can see really well. Like they're seeing that big epoxy, they're seeing that clouser but it's not close enough to what they're actually eating that they want to eat it. So if you're in, if you're out there on a day where, you're getting a lot of casts into these fish and you're not getting bites. You're definitely fishing something too large. Color never really seems to matter all that much. It's definitely size. And if you're not fly fishing, there's um, smaller jigs you can get. Hoagie's got, got these smaller jigs that I just got this year. Um, but another trick I'll do is I'll, I'll get some little small, small flies and I'll, t I'll take my hook off my jig and I'll drop it a oh, foot yeah. off the back of the jig. Yeah, you're telling me about that. That way I can retrieve something smaller through there on a spinning rod and still hook fish. Because um, there's definitely been days where they will not eat a jig. And you don't have somebody that can throw the fly rod. And, and that that's kind of the saving grace there. But but yeah, so it's it's all about, you know, we've talked about the approach. We've talked about the cast and the retrieve. And um, someone brought up a question on here. They said, uh, Caleb Hofer, he said, have y'all talked about etiquette when there are multiple boats chasing the same school? So that's something we haven't worried about too much yet this year. There's not been a bunch of people out there fishing for him yet, but there's definitely this, this sense of etiquette. Albacore fishing, people are okay with, you know, running up on the same fish, fishing to them. But I, I would say rule of thumb is the first person to a school has rights on that school so if you're not first you're last ricky bobby if you're not first you're last <laughs> so like say billy's in his boat i'm in my boat and we're fishing the same little zone right in the middle of the both of us a school pops up billy whips his boat around runs in there he gets close up on him starts casting i think it's completely okay for me to go fish those fish as well but i'm not going to run up quite as tight as billy already is on that school i'm going to yeah. kind of come in there a little bit easier kind of drift into that zone if i get a shot i get a shot 
But I, I kind of look at those as Billy's fish. He was there first. I don't want to mess up his opportunity because I want to get him. It's okay for me to go try them, but I'm going to hold back a little bit further and see if they present an opportunity instead of me forcing it on him and then putting yeah. those fish down where Billy's not going to have have the opportunity to catch them. And then you also want to be really cautious because sometimes you are fishing close to other boats, you know, on the set, on the same school. And I watched it the other day. Two guys are like, oh, I got one. Like one guy on one boat, one guy on the other <laughs> boat. And they're pulling, pulling. And next thing you know, their jigs are skipping, bouncing up on the top of the water. And they had just hooked each other's lines and uh, we're pulling against each other. So just be cautious. There's, It's fun, but it, it can be dangerous. People ripping around yeah. fast and whatnot. And you, you want to be safe. So if someone's on a school first, don't be afraid to fish the same school. Give them space, though. Give them more space than if you were the first boat running up onto them. That's kind of my my answer there and we had that happen several times um and, and then the cool i thought the cool part was too is like <clears throat> when we were out there and we were fishing and those guys were kind of hitting the same schools um you know it was we're kind of close enough to have some conversation and <laughs> and i think you were friends with one of the guys out there so maybe that helped out as well but um it was pretty cool to be able to um you know just take turns and sometimes we'd run up on school and it would be you know a smaller blow up and just like nah we'll let them have it and then we would just wait, and then next thing you know, like, you know, 20, 30 yards away from that boat, the maybe, maybe that same school, I would assume, is that same yeah. school would blow up, and we'd get a shot at them. And then, For sure. And then we'd, like, kind of pick, you know, yeah, leapfrogging around. Leapfrog around on those schools of fish. So, um, man, it was it was pretty fun. I think there's a sense of camaraderie. But then we also had somebody that was just like, man, just blast right in the middle of us, and we're like, yeah. Okay, okay, what's going on? <laughs> it, and then so. they followed us. I, I'm like, all right, we're going to run them out on the beach and find our own fish. And then I turned around and the dude's following us on the beach, which is fine. And That's then you saw fun. that like 50 pound, well, Oh my gosh, pound that triple, triple tail. tail was oh, huge. Yeah. That was huge. Yeah, it was. I wasn't in my tower or anything. And I look and there's this big triple tail. I thought it was a small loggerhead turtle floating on the surface for a Dude, second. It was massive. I yeah. grabbed my fly rod and like changed the trade to a shrimp fly real quick. And by the time I've never I'd, seen anybody change a fly that fast or climb a tower that fast. I, I lost man it was 100 percent a triple tail could see him clear as day tail yeah. was coming out of the water just floating on the side on the surface cool biggest triple tail bag. i've ever seen up here in north ghana though definitely there's definitely the biggest triple tail i've ever seen in the wild that was uh, the only triple tail i think i've actually seen is the ones that loot their name hauls in every year oh yeah he catches some good ones <laughs> fonder fishing so uh let's see here if we have any more questions so boat etiquette that's that was a good question um i think we've answered most of those here's a, what so rod set up is better. we'll jump into that with a tackle here at the end um, the other thing that is kind of cool to look at is the, these fish, there's really two baits that they're eating well here and, and that they're here for. And that's the, the glassy minnows and the bay anchovies. Um, the bay anchovies are like crack to them. They, they're obsessed with the bay anchovies. Um, that's their favorite food. And you'll notice the bay anchovies cause you'll see them actually in a really tight ball. They'll actually be balled up really tight. Um, and they're they look like they've got like a slight reddish tint in the water. They almost look red. And when they're on the bay anchovies, I was when I saw Griffin, the guy on the here on the show uh, the other day out in the water, it was the first time I've seen him on bay anchovies this year. It was me, him, and another boat. But they were you can sit there with your motor running, you could throw bricks at the schools of them busting, and they're not going to. They want those bay anchovies so bad. And so the bay anchovies a lot of times will swim and hide under the boat, and they'll just be blowing them up beside the boat, trying to eat them there. So just get out your cast net. Well, that's when it, that's when you want to fly fish for them. That's when they're <laughs> staying up good. So, dude, cast true, net would be true, fun. True story. I think I may even share this with you, but I'll share it with everybody here. My father-in-law and I were on a trip down in North Myrtle Beach, I believe, 
and we were we were fishing for false albacore. And so we're running and gunning like crazy. Well, then you get these two guys, older gentlemen, look like uh, off that movie, like grump, like, I don't know what those two, like old grumpy people movies, you know what I'm saying? It was like two older guys and they like on their little boat fishing or something. There's, yeah, like, yeah. A, there's like a movie that has this scene. And so these two guys are, are sitting there like just kind of soaking bait, waiting for Big Red. And then they see us like chasing these blown up fish. So this guy takes off. And there's old man, I felt so bad, it was on the front of the boat with a cast net. I, pr- I mean, it was the crazy, dude, we were all just like, there was like a little piece of me that really wanted him to, <laughs> to like, get, somehow get one of these into a cast net. Oh, that would have been awesome. it would have killed him. Like, it uh, like, if you'd have got two of those in a cast net. Yeah, dude, that, that would have been a little crazy. <laughs> I think, dude, I like literally, I'm like, what is going on? And the captain that was, you know, with us or that was, you know, he was a good guy. So he was like, don't do that. Quit doing that. And he like pulled over and like educated them on like, Hey, these aren't your little <laughs> bait fish that you think they are. Right. <laughs> you hook into one of those or not hook into one. He'll but, tear a big but, hole in there to oh pull you off the boat. Gosh, That's crazy. I've dude. never seen that. I, I would love to see somebody do that. I mean, just like safely, obviously for sure. I can be a sure. qualified captain for sure. <laughs> yeah, <it could> <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was recording that. that would have been he so throws the cast in on the, hops on his water skis and just takes off water skiing with his cast net with five albacore. Dude, so crazy, man. Crazy, for crazy, sure. crazy. For sure. Uh, let's well, let's, let's talk a little bit more. I think we've talked about the, the, uh, spinning rod, but we could dive into the fly rod a little bit and the strip and, and all that. Uh, yeah, so dude. what was your take on all that? This was being your first time fly fishing for albacore. Dude, being the first time, um, I would definitely say practice your, um, practice your strip. You know, because like I was trying to double hand strip, which maybe you could single hand strip, but I couldn't do it fast enough. So like practice that before you go. Watch a lot of YouTube videos, um, and I did watch some YouTube videos before I went. And of course, you know anybody that's been doing something for a long time, they make it look super super easy. So you're like, oh, that, yeah, that double retrieve is no double handed retrieve is no problem. Explain um, that double hand retrieve exactly what it looks like for people that don't yeah, understand. Yeah, so so if I'm 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 gonna put my this big yeah. camera on here. So if I'm if I'm like fly fishing and I I'm you know I present the fly and it's and I shoot the line. Well, then immediately I'm tucking in the rod underneath my, for me my right arm on my right arm, and then I'm I'm kind of I'm pulling and I want to pull down. You know, I think a lot of people want to pull back, but when you pull back, you can't, from my research and, and even on the water, I tried yeah. both different ways. When I'm pulling back, I can't get enough rip to get that line moving fast enough because my body's in the way. So it's really like a pull down method like this, which that looks like I could probably do it if I was on a boat, but I totally couldn't. So Yeah, you're just uh, reaching up to your armpit right yeah, there me, where your reel is. And... Let me bring you on because you got a little better action. Yeah, there. so you there throw, you you're, you're tucking that rod right here under your armpit, clamping it down. And then with both hands, you're just stripping down to the floor right there. And, and you're when you cast, you're laying it out. You're keeping that line running through your finger here and clamping it. That way you've already got your first strip started. Um, it's very hard to show without a fly rod. <laughs> Long story short, you just need that fly moving quickly. Yeah. Because with fly line, you're you're coming off plane with that boat, and the boat's still going to – I don't care if you turn the key off and, and, Whatever, and whatnot. Yeah. The boat's still going to be moving forward. And so getting that fly moving quick, like we were talking about earlier, is important. And then the two-hand strip is the best crazy. way to do that. Yeah, it, it, it's fun, though. I mean, it's challenging. And I think anybody that fly fishes does it partly for the art of it, um, to figure it out, to learn how to, you know, for, for us anyway from the mountains. Now, here in the coast, you might, I don't know why you guys fly fish, but we kind of fly fish because, hey, this is like, 
you know, way different, way more complicated <laughs> than, um, than just taking your spin rod out and fishing, uh, for me, you know, definitely for me. So anyway, man, it was, it was a pretty fun experience. Can't wait to go out there and do it again and actually hook up on one. Hopefully this coming week. Yeah, man. Hopefully so we can get out there and bust them up, but yeah. pretty, you know, besides that, I think line management, like if there's different ways to, to figure out how to manage that line, which one, one tip that Judd gave me, um, which, you know, he even said like, Hey, it's at your own risk, but pop your shoes off. That way you can feel that fly line under your feet, and if it's in your way, you can kind of kick it away. Because yeah. I was standing on it, it was wrapped up in my shoes, and I, you know, on my on my shoe, I had one of those drawstring tabs, so it was like hooked up in there, and you know, because you're you're leaving all that line out in the bottom, so you can right. shoot it later. Uh, so when you get up there, you got about time for two or three false casts, and you want to shoot that line. Uh, but I was getting hooked up on everything, and so I, I think just practicing that stuff, and just probably just going and just doing it. Yeah, just going and doing it. And and Billy got it rough for the first time fly fishing, like I've been saying. He needs some fish that stay up a little bit better. It was so – it was had to be so quick and perfect. I, I had a couple strikes, so I was pretty happy with that. But yeah, you did have a couple bites. You had one hooked for a second. Oh, man. I know. We don't want to talk about it. But who knows? Well, who let's – the other thing I, – I brought this up a second ago, and I forgot to, um, to jump back into it, but is the birds. So, yeah, the birds tell you where the fish are, but there's almost an art to reading the birds and knowing – how to set yourself up for the next shot. So you'll see the birds flying, working together in groups. Um, and when you see them kind of spread out, you know, there's, all right, there's probably fish in this area, pretty close to where these birds are. Um, the, the longer they are away from the fish busting, the more spread out the birds will get. And the, like the, the longer time has passed, the more spread out the birds will get. And as if fish start busting, they'll all tighten up. If you see a bird, take a really sharp turn, Look at where he's heading because they they saw something from up high and they're moving back over there to and I know this sounds like reading way too into birds but it has really helped my albacore fishing and and being more productive on the water. Um, so spread out birds mean there's probably fish in that zone, maybe not right underneath that bird he's hunting. But as they group up tight, there's fish they're looking at fish underwater. If they're not diving and they're real tight, there's they can actually see the albacore and they're following them and tracking them. Um, and so what you can kind of do is their fish are, or the, uh, the birds are really tight is look at where they're moving and you can go ahead and kind of swing that boat around out in front of those birds and hopefully get there before the fish even start blowing up. So, um, tight birds, not diving means, like I said, birds are, or they're following fish. And when you see the birds kind of hopping off the surface, just lifting up two, three feet, um, that's when there's fish actually busting when they're, if you see it, you'll see them diving. Sometimes they're just picking up, uh, you know, single baits and whatnot, but when they're hopping, you know, five to six feet off the surface and landing multiple times, that's, uh, usually when the, the fish are actually busting, wouldn't you say that's kind of what we saw? Yeah. I mean, I, that's exactly, I, it's just impressive that you can just watch kind of nature do its natural thing and then read off of it. So, I mean, everyone I've ever been albacore fishing with is, has told me like, Hey, make sure you're, you're watching the, watching the birds. And you know, if you, if we can find birds, we can find find albacore so uh dude so here's a good question from griffin have you ever broken a rod fishing for him and for and for somebody oh, yeah. who's never fished for albacore i'm going to tell you because you know you might like oh these are like trash fish like you don't eat them like why the heck would you want to go waste your time because dude they will bust your spine and it is so much it is fun, fun man. It it's is just so fun to hear fun. your drag scream oh dude any absolutely. fish that does that and i'm we're absolutely. being billy we're big fans of catch and release right and so oh, yeah I'm i mean it, what why does it really matter what if you can eat them or not 
Yeah. And for us, the sport of it. It is fun, man. It'll just give you tendonitis. So it's like, yeah. you know, if you're out there, especially, you know, if you're already out bait fishing or something and you're just like not having a good time or whatever, like if you have the gear, just like go chase the school, these things and, and get hooked up on them. And man, it's so much fun. I can probably go every single, well, probably twice a week because they wore me out, dude. Yeah, it is. It is fun. It's really so, fun. It was pretty good. But anyway, tell us about a rod breaking. Yeah, I I, I think honestly I've broken more rods on albacore than anything else because they, you know, you, they make that first long run, then you get them to the boat, and they'll, when they see the boat, they'll usually take off underneath it almost every time and and pull underneath the boat away from you, and so. Clients will get, if I'm not paying attention, clients or anyone else on the boat will, will, will get them up next to that boat. You think they're almost done. They see the boat. They spook. They go into the boat. You're not holding the rod high enough, and all of a sudden, you you break that on the gunnel. It's not like the mm. fish is bending it enough yeah. to break it, you know, but th- they get that leverage on the gunnel, or your rod whacks the gunnel real hard and breaks it. So um, fly rods, too, you know, tips of oh, fly yeah, rods I'm broken. Sure. And I've had I've had uh, sections of fly rod ripped off because the uh, – <laughs> line wraps a little bit on the hook set or something like that and then it takes off and rips the whole section of fly rod oh, off the, man. the rod tip I actually lost a tip section of fly rod one time doing that because it fish broke off ripped the tip off and then the tip sunk off the end of the the fly line oh man and uh and dude there's a way i actually looked that up before we went because uh-huh. i knew there's a possibility of like so there's like some kind of uh you can you can get on and just like youtube it how how to put a rod uh fly rod together so it doesn't come apart uh-huh. and there's like literally one uh person who gets on there and like shows you how to twist it so it's like almost impossible to pull off unless you really, really twist it that's I mean, awesome i'm not saying that it could oh wrap no, no up that, and rip I, off, I mean I, but... I just pop them together so that yeah that's there's good. like a, there's like some kind of way you can like tw- i mean it's almost like a full twist or something to get those working sweet I'm once again something that i never do uh you know in the mountains see <laughs> <laughs> don't really have to worry about that um, dude, so let's talk about, there was a question I had for you. Oh, mm-hmm. so let's talk about reeling these fish in because it's a little yeah. bit different. You, you know, once again, um, you know, I come from a whole different perspective, but is there a difference in the way you reel these fish in compared to a redfish compared to other types of fish? Cause I know I was kind of keeping it low and steady and just pressure, 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 pressure. Yeah. Um, otherwise they pop off even with a treble hook, it seemed like. Yeah. A lot of these fish will make a, a run at some point straight at the boat. And so keeping that rod low and, and water and line in the water, if he all of a sudden creates the slack he's, or comes at you and you can't keep up, there's still going to be some sort of drag from that line that's in the water to keep pressure on the hook in their mouth. Um, the other big thing too is I tell people don't ever set the hook on them. And somebody's probably going to say that's stupid. Even on this live feed, they might say that's stupid. You need to set the hook. But my opinion is, they, they miss it a lot and they're eating it and turning and running so hard. The hook's going to be set. You're reeling as fast as you can almost. And so that, that hook's going to stick them. And as soon as they, they're going to at least feel the pressure and turn and, and bury the hook themselves. But if you swing on them every time they bite and you, you he misses it and you, but all of a sudden you rip it five feet away, that fish isn't going to try to eat it again if he misses it. So don't set the hook, keep your rod tip low, keep reeling, keep that rod tip pretty pointed directly at that fish. And, um, and that I'm not even answering your question. But. Uh, no, no, you did. I, that, that was my question. Like, what's the best way to, to reel them in? So, yeah. And then, yeah, just keeping that, that rod bent and keeping good pressure. You always want that rod bent. If they start coming at you, 
you know, keep that rod tip low. So there's they some will, man. They'll, they'll take a run at you and then yeah. you're like, Oh God, I gotta get this thing in. Cause definitely. And really, and sometimes you think like, Oh, I lost the fish, but he's still on there. He's just coming to the boat. Right. <laughs> so just reeling super That's fast. another time where you'll see, see people break rods. Cause you know, they've got all the slack and all of a sudden the fish jet, jets oh, under the boat and yeah. then whack and ru- hits it right on the gunnel. Oh gosh, man. So. It's not cheap. Being don't a guy. don't bring your most expensive rods out there to, to Albacore fish, and that, yeah. I guess that can bring us into the whole rod talk. Yeah, let's do. Uh, let's, let's talk about real, re- really quick. Dave yeah. Dave Flads on the show watching. Appreciate you. Appreciate you watching, Dave. He said that he hooked up on his first falsy this summer. Nice. He thought it was a Spanish and spooled his thousand reel. Oh in man! Seconds. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> a, a big Spanish. If it was a Spanish, I'm, I'm guessing it was a citation. But that's cool, yeah. That, that like I was saying, that here you can you can bump into some albacore all, all summer off the beach. That's great, and they get up. To, I mean, they get pretty big, like as far as pounds. Yeah, there's twenty pound albacore. We don't that's see many crazy. here um, in the lower North Carolina area, but you get up to Cape Lookout in the Outer Banks. Yeah. Um, later in the season, you catch some of those really big fish. Wow. I've I've the biggest one I've caught was around fifteen pounds, but I could not imagine a twenty pound. Dude, fifteen albacore. pounds was. I mean, how big was the ones we were catching? Three to five pounds. But yeah, dude, and they were wearing us out. Yeah. So they, I'm like, did a fifteen pound? I mean, the thing beat the crap out of you, didn't it? <laughs> They're strong, man. <laughs> They're strong. Fifteen pounds, man, that is crazy. Well, dude, talking about reels, what kind of reel setup do you recommend? You don't need to go too big, honestly. And a thousand, you could you could beat a fish on a thousand it's just a matter of line capacity because they are going to take quite a bit of line out um just a decent drag you want a smooth drag they run really fast you don't want anything jumping um but but yeah we were using uh three thousands and four thousand daiwa bgs and i know we always talk i got a i got a burp building up in here from that smoothie (laughs) i'm sitting here like oh dude where is your smoothie is it gone gone, man yeah mine's gone gone too mine's gone too but yeah, 3,000, 4,000 class reels is is all you need. Um, I like 15-pound braid. It's the same reels I'm using on my redfish rods. I'm just swapping them over to to some uh, older rods when I'm albacore fishing just because, I, like we said, I, I, I'm, I'm used to breaking a few each season, so I'm trying not to break my nicer rods. 15-pound um, braid, and I like 15 to 25-pound um, leader fluorocarbon based upon you know the spookiness of the fish i gotcha and if i'm fly fishing sometimes i I try to go as light as i can if there's spanish and bluefish around i'll I'll go with that 25 but those fish can see well tuna are known for being able to see well and see line really well in the water so we're using what on the fly 20 i think we're using 20 pound yeah and i was fishing i don't know what you're fishing with but i was fishing with an eight weight yeah you're fishing eight and that's my typical is is an eight weight or nine weight rod yeah so, um, and those are pretty sturdy, man. I saw yeah. you reel two in on your, yours is an eight weight too? That was an eight weight. Yep. Yeah. So it using. handled it. No big deal. It was the, uh, the Scott S4S eight weight. The Scott, I can't even remember what mine is. That's terrible, isn't it? It's I'm the, is guy. it a Larry Cray? It's a Larry Cray. <laughs> oh, who, yeah. Who said that? Oh, Jordan was Jordan calling Lefty Cray, Larry Cray. That was Larry fun. Cray. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, Larry Cray. That's funny, dude. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. So I have a Lefty Cray edition. Uh, what is that? TFO. TFO, yeah. Mm-hmm. Temple yep. Fork Outfitters. Dude, it was pretty solid, man. Awesome rod. It's Super good rod. Got a little Reddington reel in there. Nothing yeah. too expensive. So if you guys want to get into fly fishing, totally check it out, man. You can get into it. I think, I feel like cheaper these days. Yeah, definitely cheaper these days. There's some more, co- the company's making it easier to get a, a nice setup for not $1,000. So, yeah. Um, but $1,000 yeah. setup, that'll put you on some, that'll catch you more. No. It catches know. you more fish, catch hands you. down, all day long. <laughs> um, dude, so as far as, um, what were we talking about? I, we, I were talking about we were leader, talking about leader. We were talking about leader. So as as leader 15 pounds, to yeah. 25 pound, two feet of it, I think is fine. Um, you don't need a ton of it. 
uh, when they're going really good, you could probably fish straight braid, but, but two feet of, uh, of fluoro. And, and then, like I was saying, the epoxy jig is, is my favorite bait to throw for those fish. The thing about the epoxy jig is it, it looks incredible in the water, but it's a little bit lighter than some of the other jigs you might definitely, be fishing, yeah. but the fish definitely eat it better. hundred percent. The hoagie epoxy jig. And I don't, I'm not sponsored by a hoagie. We don't, they're not a sponsor of our show. Not yet. That, Call I, us. Yeah. But I, I, you look on any of the rods that I'm throwing for for Albacore, and it's got a hoagie epoxy jig on there, and that's just because and those things wore it out, man. They wear it they out. They look so much like a glassy minnow, and yeah. there's a lot of translucentness to that bait, so that I think when it needs to be a big bait, it can be, but then also it can kind of look like a small bait because there's some clear aspects, if that makes sense. And how are you? How did you tie them on? I didn't even see how you tie. Them I just on. I just tie a straight uni. I probably should. I mean, honestly, the the right way to do it would be a loop knot. So okay. you, you get that. It'll ride a little bit better. Um, but, but any, the knots not hu- hugely important because you're moving it so fast. They can't see well, but I don't think they can, I don't think you'd necessarily see pick up on the knot uh, unless a, you were in 30 or 40 knot. pounds. I'm out of here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And action's not <laughs> the, it's not like those jigs have great action. They yeah. look really nothing quite like a, they don't swim like a fish or anything. Dude, you're just pulling so fast and everything's so sporadic. It's right. like, I right. think you're right. Cause I mean, I, I don't feel like that that may, would have made a big difference. Yeah. With dark trip. It, it doesn't. And, um, but yeah, I would, I would say some type of small loop, knot off, off the front is, is important. Usually it's just, I'm trying to tie one on real quickly and, and, and I end up just tying a uni knot, but, um, a perfection loop or a surgeon's loop or a Duncan loop, any of that stuff will work yeah. fine. Yeah, man, that's awesome, dude. It, it, there's so much fun. I can't even tell you. I could talk about these fish for days. They're so much fun. For sure, for sure. So, and then what size uh, rod are you using? Oh, I like I like a medium action rod, maybe a me, even a medium light. So I like a soft tip because, like we we're saying, these jigs they're sometimes you got to throw really little ones, and so I want something that I can still get a lot of distance with a small jig on. So um, if I'm going fishing by myself, I've got some some uh, G Loomis. E6Xs that, I, that I've been throwing with a really soft tip. Same thing I'm throwing for redfish and trout. But um, the Daiwa BG uh, combos, which I, I got from Intercoast oh, Angler man, here in town. Good. Um, the real, the rod's a little heavier than I like, but it, it gets it done and it's not very expensive. But but a light tip rod with some good butt section to it. That, you know, different makes or different uh, rod makes like, uh, let's say, Shimano or um, G Loomis. You know, they're all slightly different, but... Something with a light tip and a good butt section. You want to be able yeah. to throw it far, but be able to fight a fish. And so the first part of that fit, fight uh, of an albacore is going to be out out on the surface when they take off. But then you got to pull up on them hard when they go down. They'll dive down like a tuna at the end, and, and you got to lift up on them. So having a butt section and not just tip is uh, is important. Yeah, dude, just a unique fight. I would say out of all the fish that that I fought, it's pretty just a very unique, um, very unique fight. Yeah, for sure. Pretty for unique. Sure. So. Cool, man. Well, I think, is there anything we haven't covered? I don't think so. I, I think we got to all the questions. If you have any last minute questions, you can go ahead and, and put those in the chat. And I think our chat's a little delayed from our feeds. So yeah, we'll I'm kinda, looking over it right now. We'll kind of hang out here for a minute just in case as well. Um, and then also, if you haven't said hello in the chat, we're going to be giving away this AFCO shirt here. Well, let me pull it up again in just a couple minutes. As we bring the broadcast to an end, but be sure to check that out. We're going to be giving this away. Uh, so just say hello or whatever in the comment section. And really appreciate you guys joining us, man. I, I think we covered everything that we were going to um, that we wanted to cover. So if there's any last-minute questions, once again, 
we can go over that. But dude, go I, fish yeah, for I false albacore. And just just get out there and look for them. There, there's a lot of fish around in the fall, and it's such a fun thing to do. It's great to take a lot of people out or your buddies out to do that don't fish much because uh, there's a lot of opportunity there. And it's not the hardest can, thing to do. Even if you're um, even if you're fishing off a pier, I was fishing off a pier one time. We saw some blow up. Of course, there's surf you know surfers all around, so we didn't <laughs> we didn't try to lay into them. But I was like, dang it, man! If you yeah. guys weren't over there, that would have been fun. So, and I think uh, me and Billy were talking, and or maybe it wasn't with Billy, but. Uh, you can catch them off the beach, and that's one of my goals. I would love to catch an albacore with oh, my feet in the sand. Yeah, yeah there's places sick. that happens. I just think it'd be cool. It'd be really cool. Like here in North Carolina. Or yeah, guys, catch them North Carolina off okay. the beach. I've seen them before. Where I could, if I had been standing on the beach, I could have caught them. So yeah, that's crazy. Um, they can be anywhere from you know ten feet. Old. You'll see videos of them down in Florida, blowing up on sandbar edges and like eight inches of water on their sides, eating yeah. glass seminoes. Dude, so. we got somebody from Houston watching. I awesome. imagine that's Houston, Texas. I looked on our, our, our podcast. Uh, it tells us how many states people watch from. So uh -huh. I think we're like 14 states away from every state represented on the podcast. Really? That's awesome. Yeah, which it was kind of interesting. Louisiana was not on there. I expected that to be on yeah, there. Yeah, that's but. crazy. I'm going to so, have to get on a couple of my buddies yeah, that lived on there. So you guys, go share with somebody that you know from a random state that you think might not be watching our podcast and our show, and let's see if we can get yeah. every, state, uh, every state on here. Montana is one of them. I wish I had the Montana's list. not the places where, where Dude, I have, I have good amounts of friends. Yeah, I know. What's up, man? I'm They're not dropping supporting the ball. It. All these freshwater fishing. Well, I guess Louisiana is a saltwater state. They yeah. Should, well, a care. big bass fishing state, too, though. Oh, so. is it? Yeah. yeah. We need to do a bass episode. I think it'd be fun North, to do a bass episode. North Carolina. Hey, did I tell you who we could bring on for that? Who's that? Um, is uh, I got so excited, and then I slipped his name. Scott Blevins. Scott, Scott Blevins. Scott Blevins. He and I were chatting it up at the uh, Sportsman's Warehouse the other day about... Uh, bass fishing so awesome he, he put me on a couple ponds i'm gonna go check out with the fly rods pond hopping all right awesome guys let's oh, see what's a good distance to keep from the beach searching for the bullets searching for the bullets i would just say let the each day can be different but i would say usually a mile you know starting looking around in that mile and then slide off a little further if you need to yeah, and i guess at water temperature up closer to the beach or further further out oh good temp Gotcha, 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 gotcha. No, oh, no, no. He said distance. And distance. Then I asked, oh, then oh. I asked about temperature. Um, yeah, temperature. It's it's usually like the upper seventies, low eighties is when you really start to see them. Well, um, once they're here, it doesn't matter too much. They'll be here until it drops off into like the the mid sixties. Oh, but, gotcha. But um, yeah, temperature is not. I mean, it is very important. But once they're here, they're not super temperature driven, um, driven to leave until the bait leaves. So. Oh, gotcha. So will they be here typically until like November? Yeah. Typically till, you know, maybe mid to late November, you can catch them. Gotcha. And then when do the, okay, so this is for false albacore. So then the Atlantic Benito, when did, when do those guys come in? When do you, if for me, that's always something? been more of a springtime thing. Okay. So April, gotcha. May, um, even maybe the March, yeah. March. Sometimes I gotta say the months in my head. <laughs> January, February, January, March. February, March. Yeah. So uh, late March sometimes too. Uh, you can get on those bonita. Yeah, that's and you awesome. can catch them the same way, looking for them busting. But more more times than not, those are more structure oriented, which the albacore are not very structure oriented. And so you can just kind of go throw diamond jigs over a wreck, oh, and okay. probably catch those fish even if they're not busting yeah. the bonita. As to where the albacore really could care less about structure. So that's another important thing that I forgot to share earlier. So I'm glad you brought that up. Now, do you, um, somebody on here asked a while ago, I meant to ask, I totally forgot, but I just remembered. Do you do any trolling for false albacore? You that, could definitely catch them trolling. Um, but I, I've, I've never done it. 
Oh, gotcha. So, but it'd be the same thing as Spanish fishing. Uh, but I would say forget the planers and just run little lightweights and keep them up near the surface. Okay. Yeah, that was from Ben uh, Ben Boger here. It says, any trolling rigs that you know of that resemble glass minnows? Have you seen any? Yeah, the, I'd say the Clark Spoon. A little small Clark Spoon would, would crush it. Do it. So. Cool. Well, man, I think that's it, dude. We, I, I've, man, we ripped through an hour like no yeah, problem. Just talking it's about crazy. that. So if you guys want a good time on the water, make sure you call Judd here. Um, I don't know if his phone calling phone text me right part. now. Yeah, Hit me up on him. Instagram. Hit, shoot me a Facebook message. Yeah, so email you can me. see it there at Judd Brock Fishing right below him. Um, and go, yeah, go get on the water with him, man. Super fun. And one thing I always say about booking a guide or whatever, um, is just get on the phone with them and if it's a good time on the phone for five or ten minutes then you can probably bet they're going to be pretty cool for six hours and so <laughs> i can say from experience that judd is um you know fun to be on the water with for six hours and always keeping it lively Thanks, man. and just hustles out there man I always, I always tell people like they're like how was your trip with judd i'm like no matter if we of course we caught fish every time i think we've been so um anytime if we go and it's always a good time, even if you're slaying them or if you're looking for them or whatever. It's a good time. So make sure well, you guys thanks, give him that's, a that's shout a and and do that. So um, anyway, that's it, man. That's episode 14. Episode 14 that's of the books. That's Albacore. Whew. Now we're going to go catch one on the fly. We're going to catch one on the fly. And if you want to go with Judd and catch one on the fly, make sure you bring your own fly rod. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I have fly rods. People make sure you use. practice that double strip and that double haul. Everything's double here on the coast. Laying it out quick, All moving right. it quick. Well, dude, appreciate it, man. Thanks for having oh, me. Oh, we need to do our giveaway. Oh my goodness. Here we go. Our giveaway. Here you ready? Go. Are you going to do it? Go I'll do it. it. I'll scroll. And this shirt right here. Griffin. Griffin's whack. Griffin. What's up, brother? It's you all yours, man. Hope you can fit into a large. If not, hopefully I've never seen you before, but if you're like a 4X trying to fit into a large, that would be even I more think funny. I think a large might probably be a size. No, he's going to be good with I've only large. seen him from the water. I've never seen a fat fisherman. So, Griffin, uh, hit me up, and uh, we can meet up sometime this week, and I will get you that shirt. Awesome, man. Well, you guys have a great one. Once again, this is Billy Thorpe. That's Judd Brock. Judd Brock right this here. Eastern Current will be back next week, and we'll announce the topic. We're trying to stay fresh with whatever's happening, whatever's whatever's hot. Um, but we do have a trout series planned, so we're we're got that in the books. Don't, uh, no, we'll, we'll get to it, but we're waiting. For, I guess we're waiting for it to kind of fire off a little bit more. You know, a little be, be a little little more hot and heavy into the trout fishing. So it's definitely good right now, but. And give it a little bit more time before we jump into it. We got some really killer uh, guys that are going to come on and talk to you about trout fishing. There's going to be oh, a yeah. lot to learn. Yeah, so we're guy. keeping it under wraps. Oh, though. yeah. Gotta, don't tell gotta, them. Don't tell got a guy that's it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. Yeah. Uh, but, anyways, in the meantime, if there's something you want to learn about, something we haven't covered, go over to Instagram, uh, hit us up on there, message us, uh, email us, get our wherever find us online facebook message all that kind of stuff. And right now, it takes one minute. Just go to iTunes real quick and rate our podcast. Right when we right when we wrap this episode up. That's it, man. We're wrapped up. <laughs> We're, We're wrapped out of up. Here. See you guys later.